Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Aaron McCoy here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakway. Thanks, Aaron. We're here today at the Peddler Brew Pub in Huntington, West Virginia. It's always a fun place to hang out. That's right. The Peddler has established itself as one of the state's more consistently good breweries. It's one that's been able to produce a wide range of beers from hazy IPAs, quick sours, and clean standard lagers to edgy, crazy sports drink clones that have captured the public's attention in a big way. Yeah, I agree with that, Aaron. The Peddler is rocking the West Virginia beer world these days. And, of course, you can't have a rockin' brew pub without having a rockin' good brewer. We are pleased to have with us today the Peddler's head brewer, Jay Fox. Jay, welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads. Thanks for having me. Well, the Peddler is known for having some of the most diverse beer offerings in the West Virginia market. Let's go through your current beer lineup and review what's hot and what's not. I would say uh, our our list is probably about the same as everyone else's. What's hot? Uh, IPAs and sours. My goodness, you know, we can't make enough of those things. I'm sure. But you know, I mean, we focus on trying to do something for everyone. Um, so I, I think we have a pretty diverse lineup compared to most breweries. So I mean, if someone walks walks off the street. Hopefully, they're going to find something that they want to drink, you know. So, you've got a wide variety on your on your current tap yes. list. Yeah, I mean, anything from lagers to several different IPAs, several different sours, brown ales. I love, I love our Booger Cat. It's still one of my favorites. Um, stouts, not so much right now just right. because of the weather, but uh, they're coming. I know. I saw Large Marge. Large Mars, tell them Large Mars sent you. Yeah, I love that name. <laughs> well, what about um, over the past few months for your, your tap lineup? Has it, the variety changed, or have you kind of tried to keep the same sort of groups? Uh, you know, summer, I probably try to, like, do something a little bit less alcohol, you know, like, like so session. people can drink. Yeah, like sure. come in, have some drinks. And, uh, you know, I've never been the brewer that makes, like, those massive, big imperial stouts, mm -hmm. like... I mean, I like them. I like two ounces of them, personally. They're so, super sweet or candy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not really a, a style that I love more than two ounces of. So, I mean, like I try to make things that I like and make them well, and hopefully everyone else likes them too. So, we've got a couple of your beers that we're Aaron and I at least are drinking. I guess you're drinking <laughs> one too. So, yeah. uh, I know I have the Happy Hunty, and uh, talk a little bit about that. It's one of your standard beers. Yeah, Happy Honey. I mean, it was one of the first ones we made. Um, we use uh, Weinstefan yeast from from the oldest brewery in Germany. Uh, robbed that yeast from them, uh, but it's I mean it's locally available with uh, Y yeast and several other big uh, breweries. So, so do um, you try to, to to mimic then the German style wheat beer? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's basically, uh, you know, half uh, Pilsner malt, half uh, wheat, and with a little bit of dextrin malt in there for uh, for some body. But, uh, you know, I mean, pretty much just straightforward, heavy. Yeah, nice drinking. Well, what about Thanks. Fist Bump, which is what I Fist currently bump. have in hand? Yes. <laughs> You like the big American IPA, huh? I, I like an American IPA. Yeah. I like the hazies as well, but I, and also like West Coast. But, yeah. But let me hear about this one. I What's like Fist, Fist Bump. Bump. Yeah, Fist Bump's awesome. Um, some good uh, good old two-row malt from uh, the U.S., uh, some wheat, uh, Maris Otter, and um, 
Lots of Citra and Centennial hops. Mm-hmm. Imagine you used a lot of those, especially with yeah. all of the hazies. Has that beer remained popular? Because I know you've had that one out for a couple of years. Anyway. It has. Uh, you know, I mean, that was like Happy Honey and Fist Bump, like first year. And, you know, they're still going strong. You just keep Top them on five. tap. Yeah. That's two of our flagships, so we keep those going. Of course, we're here in the middle of the summer, and I think you're drinking kind of a summertime beer over there. Yeah, I'm drinking a Bandito. Uh, everyone knows I love the Bandito. So. <laughs> and that's uh, the Appalachian Yeah, the Bandito. Appalachian Bandito, Mexican lager. Um, light. Very light, very drinkable. Um, Pilsner malt, uh, some flaked maize. Mm-hmm. And that's about it in that one. Is Don't it a beer that you get to lager very long, or does that one come out pretty quick? I, you know, I generally keep that in our 20 barrel. So, um, you know, I'll leave it in there as long as I possibly can. Um, so generally it's in there about six weeks. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that yeah. is good. Yeah. yeah, for that style of a very light lager. Yeah, yeah. I, I try to leave it in there as long as I absolutely can. Yeah. So, Well, Jay, I'm curious how you as a brewer respond to the more popular trendy beer styles that come and go i mean do you try to feed the trends here what's your philosophy do you feed the trends or do you just ignore them and and make beer that you like uh you know some trends i think are uh worthwhile you know i mean but uh some of these trends have come and gone so fast that you know you don't really have a chance to to work on them but uh you know, I, I do love the hazies, and, uh, you know, we've been goofing around with uh, mash hopping quite a bit here lately. Um, you know, been talking to some different brewers about what they're doing and how, like, how we're stacking up with that. So, uh, I, you know, I know Bill at Chestnut's doing some stuff and uh, Mike at Short Story. Um, so we've, been, we've just been bouncing ideas off of each other with that stuff. So. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Omega's coming out with a lot of thylized uh, yeast strains now, so. Yeah, uh, I've been seeing them at some of the beer uh, the conferences I've been to in the last few months, and uh, that, that, yeah, it's like they attract a crowd. At, at yeah, their, for sure. Yeah, because people all want to hear about their, uh, what's coming out, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever they're doing uh, is working, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, and I sent some questions to, to them as a company and uh you know got an email from the owner oh wow you know and he he said hey if you have any questions you know here's my cell phone number like let me know you well, know that's, yeah, great. that's what, so that's yeah. pretty awesome yeah, i call that customer service absolutely, absolutely. And I'm happy to use them for sure well sure what a great resource <laughs> to be able to have yeah. yeah you know and it's always sort of been like that for me in the brewing industry like i don't i've never felt like someone was withholding information from me or anything like that so you know, it's it's very collaborative for sure. Yes, which is good among brewers. I mean, Absolutely. It just helps everyone yeah. if they're that way. Well, Jay, I have to say you've come up with some of the more creative and entertaining names for beer that yes. we see in our market. <laughs> so talk about where you get your inspiration and give me a couple of examples using the beer names that have caused a reaction in the market. <laughs> well, tell them Large Marge sent you. That was uh, <laughs> one that, that you mentioned earlier. Uh-huh. That is definitely... People have come and told me, and they're like, hey, I bought this beer because of the name. Like, they're like, I hate sours, but I really Couldn't wanted to try up. this beer because of the names. Like, so we sort of bounce off ideas with each other, Jamal and I, my, my assistant right-hand man uh, in the brewery, and uh, Mooney that bartends. He's, like, super witty and hilarious. Like, so 
we always sort of bounce ideas off each other with the names and they're like, Oh, that's awesome. Or yeah, let's, let's come up with a, with a better one or something like that. That's gotta be fun. Yeah, it is fun. Do you you look, do you actually do any research as far as other breweries and whether that name exists or is out there or you just go with what, what you like? Yeah. I mean, there's so many, there's so many breweries now and like, you know, so as long as it gets approved in, in, in the state, you know, I'm not really coming outside of the state right now. So I'm not really worried about the names, you know, like, so haven't got any cease and desist yet. So well, that's good. So uh, our governor, Jim Justice, has been happy with your beer names. <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> Jay, you've done a couple, uh, at least, uh, beers that, uh, that are kind of inspired by, I think, our governor. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's, he's a colorful character and uh, happy to... Uh, to utilize some of those names. I'll try to get some other brewers to, uh, to do some different ones. Uh, but, uh, I really wanted someone to do a, the, the $64 question, but uh, that never happened. <laughs> that would be a good one. Huh. All right. Well, you could, you sort of mentioned that you had a customer that with the tell them large Marge sent you, you know, that definitely kept them. Yeah. They want, they bought the beer for that reason. Have you had an, any other name or any other customer or just in general customers that say, Hey, I really like the name of this beer. Yeah. Do you think that it influences really very many people's purchases? Um, you know, I think it's definitely part of the marketing, you know, I mean, people, people have fun with names, you know, like they come in and like, I hear people laughing and like, <laughs> and uh, we actually had a guy come in and uh, he said, uh, I, I guess I'm going to have to get the old Greg. <laughs> and, uh, and the bartender said, yeah, sure. And he said, can I see your ID? And his name was <laughs> Greg Stout. <laughs> so, the right That's name. pretty funny. So, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. so he had to, he had to, I guess he had to get his name. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> So you're talking about uh, beer names and, and how they may or may not influence the market and your inspiration for those. Um, give me a couple of examples with the beer names that you have used and how they may or may not have created a reaction in the market. Oh, yeah, let's see. Yeah, I mean, Wanna Be a Baller, I always thought that um, song was funny, you mm-hmm. know. Wanna be a baller, yeah. shot caller. <laughs> so, you know, and... and Ross at Bad Shepherd, you know, he has a beer called Shot Caller. It's like, yeah. so I always thought it'd be funny to do one called Want to Be a Baller and then have that and Shot Caller on, on, the, same on the same tap, uh, list. tap list. I thought that would be pretty funny. That would be. I, I never saw it on the same tap list, unfortunately, but uh, so that means I got to make it again. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what about another one that maybe? Uh, let's uh, see. Well, Booger Cat always gets, uh, you know, we talked about Booger Cat before, you know, the mythical uh, creature from Wayne County, but Mm -hmm. uh, everyone's like, what the hell is Booger Cat? (laughs) Why would you name a beer Booger Cat? Right, right. It is an odd name. Yeah, it is super odd. Yeah. But it sells well, you know, I mean, but. uh, And it's got a good story behind it. And what about Space Camp? (laughs) Finish that Space one. Space Camp Tramp Stamp. Yeah. Oh, yes. That one, that was a good one. I remember that. Yeah, so, uh, we, you know, we thought it'd be funny to, to do a beer with Tang, you know, which was popular in the 80s, and uh, everyone was uh, mixing up Tang and drinking well, Tang. Well, that's what they so, sent to, with the to astronauts. Space Camp. Yeah. yeah. Like, so I was like, you know what? Like, uh, let, let, let's call it Space Camp. And then I was like, 
ooh, tramp stamp. Well, like, it was also so a trend of that, tramp stamp. Yeah, like, so. <laughs> that time era. <laughs> so it was all, you know, I guess tang, tang probably wasn't a bad idea, but maybe a tramp stamp was. I don't <laughs> yeah, <know>. There's probably <laughs> several people that may, may regret that Several people decision. asked me about uh, tramp stamp at uh, the Brewfest, Mountaineer Brewfest last weekend. So oh, funny. <laughs> they're like, where's the where's, uh, tramp stamp? I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, I didn't bring it. Well, Jay, we haven't had you on our podcast for really a couple years now. Uh, and during that time, you've been through the COVID pandemic, which hopefully we're coming out of this summer in 2022. But uh, what's your take on how the local bar, uh, beer market has recovered post-pandemic? What are you seeing here in your brew pub? Well, you know, I think it's different for us because, like, we're not a distribution facility. You know, I mean, we have a full-service restaurant, and uh, that – I. Th- I feel like has sort of insulated us in in some ways mm-hmm. uh you know i mean if the beer's down then you know the the restaurant's doing okay but uh um you know we have not seen any like decline in beer sales through the pandemic to be honest with you like it's been very steady increasing the entire time so i don't know i mean personally we haven't seen that effect to even be with kegs with. that you would you know put out well, I mean, licensed areas that they want to sell your beer a little bit, but uh, you know, then the on-premise, uh, you know, tends to go higher. When right, the so it makes up stuff. for that. Yeah, so that's interesting. And we're typically around forty percent on-premise here, so which is pretty good for a brew pub, I yep. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, what uh, then characterized where you sell the rest of the beer or how you sell the rest of your beer beyond that forty percent? Mean. Um, you know, we were in. Morgantown quite a bit. Um, we've picked up so many accounts. Do you have a, like a, can you quantify how many, roughly how many uh, retail accounts you're uh, I think we're in about 35 to 40 right now. And wow. a lot of them I know around the Charleston, yeah. Chase Valley, Huntington. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you said maybe Morgantown sometimes. Yeah, you know, since Ollie passed, like it's been sort of like, I mean, we pulled back just to see like, you know, hey, let's let's sort of get get back in the huddle and figure out what we're doing and then um uh you know we've picked up so many accounts to charleston from here to charleston like it's just it's been really difficult to get back up to morgantown so mm-hmm. um you know we've hired an, a new assistant brewer and he's freaking awesome and i love him to death and he's doing a great job jamal carter and uh, like i'm super happy that he's here and We'll be back to Morgantown, I promise. <laughs> yeah, you, and you mentioned Ollie there and that he, he passed here, I guess, yeah. a year, about a year or so yeah. ago. Yeah, last June, yeah. Yeah, uh, mention him because that's something we hadn't talked about here on our podcast. Yeah, I mean, anyone that knew Ollie, just a super awesome guy, like hard, hard, hard worker, would do anything for anyone, and uh, just a, like a really big loss for Huntington and the beer community. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was tough. It was tough for all of us. And you might and, mention uh, what all he did for you here at the, at the brewery. Oh, what didn't he do? You yeah. know I mean? He was just one Many of those hats. guys, he's just yeah. one of those guys. And, uh, and, you know, you ask him to do something and he would just do it and, uh, he would not question it. And he would just, he's like, okay, well, if it's for the benefit of the business, let's do it. You know, like, so. Yeah, miss him every day. I'm sure. Um, that's, that's a big loss. Yeah, he's, he was a great guy. So, Well, looking ahead, um, things are going well. But looking ahead, what do you see as maybe your biggest challenges to continuing ses- successful operation and maybe growth that you'd like to see? Well, you know, I mean, 
the price of everything right now is just through the roof. You know, we're trying to, you know, I'm trying not to raise beer prices right now. It's just been insane. You know, grains going up, hops are going up, everything's just going up. Like so, and 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 I know some breweries have raised prices on 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 their beers. So uh, we're just trying to minimize that effect on the market as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just been it's just been kind of crazy. Like just riding the way. You know? <laughs> And well, I think everyone's feeling that, you know. Sure, like industry-wide. Right. Right. Well, people often say that the West Virginia beer market is a year or two behind the national market. Not a shock. A year or two? <laughs> well, as far as, well, as far as the popularity of different styles and features go. Okay. So, a little, little bit more specific. Yeah. Where do you see the beer market headed here in southern West Virginia? you know i mean i i think it is getting better every day you know and and people are trying different things and you know and i try to be as accommodating as possible like with you know someone trying to pronounce something and you know that kind of thing like and i know that's intimidating for some people and uh you know i mean at the end of the day we all just want to drink a good beer right you know Mm -hmm. so and if people are willing to come in here and like, Hey, I'll, you know, I'll give it a shot and like, see if I like it or not. Because I mean, several people have told me, Hey, I would never have ordered that beer. If you would have, if you wouldn't have told me like, Hey, try this or something like that. So I, I love that. I think it's awesome. You know, when someone tries something new and they're sure. like, wow, this is really good. You know, like, so, I mean, just education and, and being open to people to try something new. Like, and uh, I think it's working for everyone, you know? Well, no, we talked a little bit earlier when you said, you know, the styles that are, are hot and have been hot are the, the sours and the, mm-hmm. the hazies. Do you see that trend changing at all, at least in your, in your not, market? Do you try right to now. influence <laughs> that at all? Like talk, speak about that a little bit, at least from your brewery, uh, brewery experience. We're, I mean, we're trying some different things with, with hazies and, you know, and with sours like, uh, but you know, I mean, the, the kettle sours are super popular right now. And, you know, I mean, every time I make one, it's pretty much gone. Like by the time we make it. So, um, I'm going to try a new hazy next week. So a black hazy IPA. Have you ever done, have you ever seen that? I have never seen a black hazy. I have never it. seen it either. We're going to try it next week. So All right. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Charles? You look good. <laughs> I'm not sure that <laughs> would look, be He, he looks a little concerned of, for our listeners. The, he, he does seem a little wouldn't concerned. Wouldn't be at the top of my list for uh, but you try it. for. Well, I mean, I'd sample it. I'd get a free taste somewhere. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, that's that's definitely a shift or an adjustment <laughs> yeah. to try to do something different, which something was kind of what I was going to yeah. follow up with is, you know, what are you trying to do or what do you see in your future as far as any adjustment you may need to make to stay on top of the market here? Um, I don't know. I mean, and, and I think we're sort of insulated here in West Virginia, like you said, you know, so um, baby steps do things slowly but you know i like to push the envelope and try something new so um hopefully uh charles it's gonna be charles's favorite beer at, at the peddler mm-hmm. black hazy ipa yeah <laughs> i would probably yeah yeah okay. probably not don't don't hold don't your count breath. Yeah. <laughs> with that that kind of rolls me into my next question though while we're looking ahead I want you to kind of tell me about some upcoming besides the, yeah. the, the black hazy IPA, which is very <laughs> intriguing. Um, what kind of beers that craft lovers are going to find on your taps this fall? 
Oktoberfest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now you're in my, uh, my wheelhouse. Yeah. And, and so what, what style of Oktoberfest? Because there's, you know, the two styles generally. Um, yeah, well, it's with? a fest beer, but okay. uh, we're, it's sitting in there nice and it's, it's preparing. Yeah, 33 degrees, just sitting there hanging out. So it's been in there for a while. Yeah. Okay. Um, you have a name yet? Just October. We're just going to call it okay. Oktoberfest. Just October, yeah. Oktoberfest. Um, I didn't get fancy with my... I didn't get fun. I should have got fun with my well, Oktoberfest. Well, just name. since we're here and I'm writing articles on Oktoberfest beers, I, maybe just give a little, uh, you know, brewer's notes on how you made that beer. Whew. Like what, what does well, it include? I mean, what kind of... You know, you're asking me that too fast. I make it once a year. It's the same beer as that, that I made last year, but uh, yeah, I get that. It goodness. takes a minute to recall yeah. if it's yeah. been a full yeah. year, so that's fair. All right. Yeah, uh, with lots of Munich malts in there, uh, mm -hmm. some Vienna malt. Um, it's got some color then. It does. Yeah, it does have some color. Um, got some flavor. <laughs> yeah, and a little bit of malty flavor there. Yeah. So, I mean, which is Any? nice. That's a kind you know that, that I appreciate anyway. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. What's the ABV going to be? You think? Uh, I think it's like mid fives. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Standard. Like five six, best. I think five seven maybe. All right. Yeah, you're like testing my uh, mental abilities here. All right, here David, that's fine. Memory. So, so we've talked about a, a possible black hazy IPA at an Oktoberfest. Is there a, a third fall beer you'd like to mention? Uh, yeah, we're gonna do a dark lager. I haven't uh, finalized the recipe yet. Okay. But, uh, like so, well, that'll, that'll be coming out. I'm not sure if it's gonna be a Schwartz beer or not, but uh, like, yeah, we'll we'll goof around with something like that. And uh, just got in today. Uh, some new hops from New Zealand called Nectaron. Okay. Oh, that's my favorite new hop. Jay. Is it? And uh, you're the first brewer in West Virginia I've heard got that hop. Okay, yeah. Thank I just... you for ordering that. <laughs> I've been trying to talk a few of them, like, well, I won't say who, but ones I see more often than you. Like, yeah. get those Nectaron hops. Those are dynamite, and, yeah. and it'd be great in a... Well, you, you tell you what said, you're going to do. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to do a hate, you know, and trying to do a, a nice, hazy, juicy... Uh, because I heard that, uh, you know, I mean, the, the profile of it sounds amazing. So um, there's 44 pounds in the freezer. So nice. uh, we'll, uh, we'll do something cool. Yeah. Well, I'm that. excited now. <laughs> yeah, where, where did you, what got you interested in that hop? Well, you know, I mean, I was just reading about it and, uh, you know, and I contacted my rep at BSG and, and she was like, oh, they're contracted and, you know, you can't, you can't get them because they sell out immediately. So I was like, well... Man, this high. I was like, I, I want something for next year. So this was last year. So oh, wow. She, you were ahead yeah, of the game. Yeah, she, she, she messaged me and said, hey, they're ready. I said, well, send them over. We'll get something yeah, going. Yeah, well, got, you got the new crop because New yeah. Zealand, of course, yep. their mm -hmm. crops uh -huh. come out in the spring, right. our spring, where ours come out in the fall, you know, our new new crops anyway yeah. in, the, in America. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. So hopefully hopefully they're as good as we've heard. Uh, I'm sure. It, well, let's hope. I haven't had this crops. Uh, hops. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe I have. I mean, I may have tasted a, but yeah, I don't know. We're, I'm looking forward to it. Cool. You guys at the Peddler Brew Pub have been hammering away for the past few years, learning to successfully operate a small brewery and restaurant business in our market. In the past year, we're seeing a number of new breweries open across the state. So I'm curious from your experience here at the Peddler, what operational advice you could offer other brewery taproom owners who would like to grow their businesses, these new ones? Know your audience. <laughs> make beer that sells. You know, I mean, like, if you make, make some beers that sell well, 
uh, you can do other things, you sure. know, but uh, you definitely need to have beer that people customers like. want mm-hmm. and customers will buy. So, uh, you know, and again, you know, with the, with the market right now, with everything, it's just, it's so hard to, you know, make good sound monetary decisions, you know, so like just calculated slow progress i mean that that's what i would probably suggest to to a new brewery yeah and reach out if you need help you know i mean i mean there's several awesome brewers here that would i'm sure would be happy to help you you know yeah i I think i'll go back to where you were talking about but your cost of materials and supplies and all are going up uh, and i see that across the country like you were saying and that's something that uh, you're a newer brewery and you're just right in this you're jumping in at you didn't have a history at a lower price. Maybe right. you could set your price to start with. It's easier to start with a price rather than raise a price. Right. Right. Yeah. I just wonder what your thoughts might be on that. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think there's a fine line there because, uh, you know, you're, you're competing with, you know, cheap domestic beer and, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to, that's hard to compete with, you know, and, you know, and existing craft beers that are sort of, you know, already in the market and they're like, Oh, okay, well I can get this for five bucks and they're selling it for seven bucks, you know, like, yeah, but support your local brewery, please. You know, I mean, that's, that's the, the takeaway here, I think. Yeah. Well, prices are definitely going up and I've been traveling some recently, whether Pittsburgh to Asheville, sort of my Appalachian region that I like to, yeah. to keep up with and definitely seeing, the price right now right. this summer is higher pretty much everywhere and certainly in the urban areas the market's yeah. definitely gone higher mm-hmm. uh, for the selling price of a pint jay a while back when we talked last with you about the peddlers operations which has been a while <laughs> you mentioned the possibility of some expansion possibly a new production facility oh <laughs> where you might begin canning and increase distribution what's what's going on with that concept uh, I mean, we're still working on all this stuff. You know, Drew and I are sort of working through th- some things. And he's, you know, he's got twins now. He's got sure. a year old twin. So, and COVID slowed everything down. So, and we might, let me just break in here. You yeah. might, Drew, he mentioned that's Drew Hetzer, who's the owner. The here, owner, yes. Uh, Drew and Megan Hetzer, uh, the peddler owners and backyard owners. But uh, yeah, Drew and I, you know, we've been working through some things here. And, you know, and he opened a new restaurant in Ashland. So, uh, sort of that's on the burner too like it's uh it's a lot right now but we'll get there so it's still in your game plan it is definitely in the big scheme of it is definitely in the game plan you know and uh one of the things that uh i mean and i'm sure we'll talk about uh maybe some of the some of the things that need changed with abc and you know i'd like to see us be able to have you know and there's a few breweries that are struggling with this uh, you know have be able to have a couple places to to do production on the same license and right uh, that that's one of the main drawbacks of uh, what's happening there you know so i mean i don't really have room to do it in our in our current state in the peddler so um you know think some things are going to have to change if we do it here on site well, speaking of, of that and the regulation <laughs> of the brewing industry, it definitely has a lot to do with how fast, you know, things can grow here in our state. So what, what law and regulation changes, in your opinion, are needed to help improve the business climate for small brewers? Well, I definitely think that one for sure. Um, 
you know, and I've been talking to some brewers, several different brewers, uh, about their concerns. And, uh, you know, one of them is, uh, like a cap or a grace period, uh, on distributor, uh, you know, contracts, you know, and, you know, we're sort of maybe, maybe thinking about if you're under X amount of barrels a year, um, maybe we can have a, a year or two, you know, test period with a distributor. And if it doesn't work out, then like that brewery can pull out, you know, cause it's, I mean, it, it's a financial risk for, uh, for a small brewer to be connected to some, you know, to a distributor for life. Sure. And if, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that's a little bit scary for me. Well, that's definitely something that we hear pretty regularly yeah. from our, our local yeah. brewery industry. Um, do you have any other suggested changes regarding laws or regulations that, aside from the distribution lifetime contract? Yeah, I mean, s- some of the things are cumbersome, you know. I mean, the, the labeling and the, you know, and the uh, you know, the forms that you have to fill out for the ABC. Uh, I, and, and I think that's something that's easily doable. It's just a matter of getting everyone on the same page. Right. So, uh, um, open collaborations is another one. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's also a bit cumbersome um, with, uh, you know, trying to get everything, like, brew it here and then brew it there. You know? Right. Like, I was like, I don't know. Like, just it's kind of wacky. Yeah, we've heard um, from several, and I, well, I've heard from several more probably than we've ever, uh, I've written about, that about that, you know, wanting to open up the law to allow you to have more than one production brewery on a, Mm -hmm. you know, for our owners. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can apparently do that in a way you'd have to have a new whole new ownership group and, you know, and a totally different corporation and all that. Different name. Yeah. Uh, So it is kind of crazy because that's uh, something that we, I think there's a number of places that might've already done that. Right. If, uh, if, or a number of breweries that would have already opened a second location, but, not allowed by our state law it doesn't make any sense why would they not want you yeah. to have more business in west virginia absolutely but that, that's things we have to educate our legislature and yeah. our you know our governor on and, and hopefully they can make that a priority i think we'll get there i mean i'm confident that uh we got some smart people in the brewing industry and uh some persuasive people so uh <laughs> so hopefully uh things can can change soon well, I know you're also a part of the annual Rails and Ales Craft Beer Festival here in Huntington that was just held uh, here a while back in the summer. How did this year's event go? Anything stand out to you? I think it went great. It's like super smooth. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we made a few changes this year, um, but I, I, did, I had all positive feedback. No one was uh, complaining about uh, anything. And plus, we had some killer weather, so I think that definitely helped. I was curious, how did your uh, pint sales go at the beer garden? Did that work out at all? Uh, it wasn't as good as we thought it would be. But uh, that was a new one of the new yeah, features. Yeah, it was, it was right? a new feature, and, uh, you know, we did okay. I mean, but it... I think it was new, and people and several people said, "Oh, I didn't even know it was here." You know, I'm like, we're like, weren't aware of the option to be yeah, able to do that." Yeah. Yet. So, I mean, I think if we continue to do that, it will become more It'll, popular. Yeah, sure. You know? Yeah. So, do you think the crowds were back up to kind of pre-pandemic? Or yeah, we had about 3,500, and we uh, capped we capped it at 4,000. Like we, I mean, I would rather of, that's a lot. Yeah, of I would rather the customer have a good experience. Sure. Than, 
then you know pack people in there just yeah. to pack people in there well like, i mean so. even in bigger market areas beer festivals don't get much larger than that right I mean, nobody wants to yeah. deal with a ten thousand people or something right. It'll be- well hey before we wrap up this podcast i was wondering if you could share any funny or interesting anecdotal stories about west virginia beer culture or your experience with craft beer customers a lot of people you know come into the brewery and uh you know, ask a lot of questions that, and obviously they're not craft people, you know, but, uh, you know, and a lot of those people are regulars now, you know, so they come in and they're sort of, Hey, I don't, you know, I really like ales. I'm like, okay, well there's 18 of them on the board there, you know, <laughs> like, so, you know, I mean, just that kind of you know, educating people sure. and, uh, and, and, you know, letting them taste different things and they're like, Oh, okay. All right. Well, but, uh, you know, I've made a lot of good friends, like, with people coming in and trying different beers. And uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun every day. The conversation day. itself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like so. But there are some definitely some characters that come in. Oh, sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'd just like to hear uh, some of the conversations and maybe even yours when you're, you know, educating the bar staff on some of these uh, uh, Gatorade and uh, <laughs> Gatorade clones, and uh, because you do those, uh, the Brondos and the, yeah. I'm not sure, that, that just, I don't know how people explain what that's like. I mean, I, I guess I give them a free taste. That's the only way to, you know. I mean, but generally, Brondo is uh, passed on word of mouth, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, when, usually when a new flavor Brondo comes out, you come into the bar and like everyone's drinking red beer orange <laughs> beer you know, like, okay all right you know immediately what well i but it's uh, fun. i experienced the that at the beer festival <laughs> last weekend there in wheeling when you were up there and uh, uh like watching those people come back for seconds and thirds of the orange brunch yeah <laughs> it's, it's uh it was pretty crazy <laughs> it's fun to take that to festivals and people have a good time and they're like sort of you know what the heck is this mm-hmm. you know like so it's fun and then, haven't you also done a, a, a Mountain Dew clone. Yeah, I mean, and I know other brewers have done that, but that's another totally crazy uh, concept. I think for just beer. fun. I think it's fun, you know. And beer doesn't have to be, uh, you know, pretentious all the time. You know, I mean, there, there's definitely, you know, places for that. But you know, beer's fun, and at the end of the day, like it's about getting together with your friends and having some beers and having a laugh and you know, telling some stories or whatever. You know, so yeah. I think this has certainly, in my experience, been a brewery that has done most of the things right. Um, I've watched you grow in quality and just in concept and your market uh, engagement, like we're just talking about with some of the crazy stuff, but you also (laughs) are doing some really solid traditional styles. And, uh, you know, you were saying, yeah, you've had no problem with beer sales dropping, but I think it's not just because people found you it's because the beers here are very good and Mm -hmm. that makes all the difference if you weren't making wonderful beers you wouldn't be seeing that kind of growth in the market i appreciate that it's uh it's a it's a labor of love for sure you know Mm -hmm. i quit a 20-year career to do this and uh you know i mean i come in here every day and have fun and uh yeah, I'll continue to do that as long as um, I'm still employed here. So, <laughs> Well, it certainly sounds like it's paying off, and, and we appreciate your labor of love. So, Jay Fox with The Peddler, thank you very much for being on this episode of West Virginia Beer Roads. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you.
This brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.